Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hello there. We're coming to the end of month 11 as we approach the end of our glory study. I hope that you're having a good month and I hope you're enjoying studying His glory from... Right now, I'm studying in Exodus when they built the golden calf. And in Exodus chapter 33, when Moses returned to the mountain, and we have this array of glory toward the end of Exodus chapter 33. I think if you're in the study notes, this is around number nine in the study notes. And there have been some questions about exactly what maybe I meant. And I I sometimes think that you all can read my mind, I guess. But I want us to delve into a little bit about what question nine is asking and about what maybe our best perspective answer for that would be. It says, what characteristics of God were prominently and specifically on display in this particular array of glory? And we're talking about in Exodus chapter 33, where the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken for you have found grace in my sight and i know you by name and then moses asked god show me your glory show me your kabod and he said i will make and here are the characteristics of that glory remember glory is god's attributes on display he says i'm going to put some of those on display for you moses And here he lists them in verse 19. I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. You can't see my face. No man shall see me. But you're going to see these attributes of me from this cliff in the rock and so he lists four things my goodness my name my grace and my mercy and then I just ask you to think about which display of the glory of Christ in the New Testament would best would best show or display those particular attributes and I, I just guess I, I thought everyone would just automatically think of the glorification of Jesus on the cross because that is the ultimate display of mercy and grace and showing the, the name and the goodness of God. And so to specifically talk about that, I think Hebrews chapters 1 and 2 is a great place to go we know that the cross was glorification because we studied at length the book of john and it specifically says when it's time for the cross glorify thou me with the glory that i had from the beginning of the world he's um, he talks about how that the raising of lazarus was for glory so as he prepared for the cross we know that the cross was the ultimate display of the attributes of God, but specifically grace, goodness, and mercy we see 
at the cross uh, in a way that we don't see them necessarily anywhere else or to a degree that we don't see them anywhere else. So if we look at Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 8 and to the end of the chapter, we see that Christ was God, that he was there in the beginning, verse 10, laying the foundations of the earth. The heavens are the works of his hands. They will perish, but he remains. And God's saying, he's greater than any of the angels. To which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for the sake of those who are heirs of salvation? He says, Christ is greater than the angels. That's the whole point of chapter 1. He is full of the attributes of God because he is God and he is all-powerful. And then in verse 2, we see uh, verse 3, if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of of reward, then how should we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, we're not angels, we're just people. How are we going to escape if we neglect the great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by them that heard him? And then we we get to um, this sandwich of the grace of God. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost. For to the angels has he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified saying, What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? As we think about this, we, we think about, we have a list here of, of things that Christ did that were very evident displays of grace and goodness or kindness and mercy toward us. In verse 6, he was mindful of us and he visited us. In verse 9, He tasted death for Cindy Colley. In verse 10, oh, this is great. He brought many sons to Doxa, to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect or complete through sufferings. He, number next, suffered for me. He, verse 11, called me and you brethren. He called us family members, us men, mere creatures, lower than the angels. He called us family members. Verse 14, he destroyed our enemy. We had a very powerful spiritual enemy and he destroyed our enemy. We know where he did that. He did it at the cross. And number 15, he delivered us from being so afraid of death. I I don't really understand all of the power of death to make us fear, but I know I do. I know without Christ, 
I would be terrified of dying. But through faith, I can conquer that fear. He delivered those who through fear of death were subject to bondage. We were enslaved to a fear of death because we know that without Christ, we have no hope. And he was made like his brethren. And wait, who are his brethren? We get to be his brethren. And he was made just like us. That's grace. He was made just like us so that he might be what? Merciful. He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in that in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation or propitiation for the sins of the people. Well, where did he do that? He did that at the cross. So we have the word mercy or merciful in verse 17. And we began this section by talking about the great salvation and the grace that he offered us. I wanted to find that word right. Verse 9. That he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. So in verse 9 we have the grace of God. That is the catalyst for the cross. Tasting death. And in verse 17, we have the mercy of God and the faithfulness, the mercifulness and the faithfulness of God that are the catalyst for the propitiation for the sins of the people. And then in between verses 9 and verse 17, we have just a litany, a list of things that exemplify His grace and His mercy and His goodness, the attributes that were on display back in Exodus 33. Let me list them again for you. He tasted death, verse 9. He suffered, verse 10. He called us his family, verse 11. He destroyed our enemy, verse 14. He took away our fear of death, verse 15. And he became the propitiation for our sins, verse 17. Right there in a sandwich between the word grace and mercy, we have a list of things that he did that put those goodness, grace, and mercy right on display for us. And he gave us his name. Uh, Exodus 33 also said that uh, giving his name was, was a part of that display of glory. And he gave us his name there. As well, I think it's interesting too that this comes right before a discussion of the man of the hour in Exodus 33, and there are no chapter breaks as we know in the original manuscripts. And so, chapter 3 of Hebrews, wherefore, holy brethren, we get to be called brethren because of the cross, partakers of the heavenly calling, we get to be partakers of the calling because of the cross. Consider the apostle and high priest. He's the high priest because remember the bottom of that chapter we just read in that he himself suffered being tempted. He's able to succor those who are tempted. He's able to be that mediator for us. And so it says, who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses 
was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who had built the house has more honor than the house. Every house was built by some man, but he who built all things is God. And so Moses truly was faithful in his house as a servant, and for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ... As a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence or our boldness and the rejoicing of what? The glorying of our hope, firm to the end. I just think it's really interesting here that we, in Exodus 33, see those four attributes just listed. The goodness, the name, the grace, and the mercy. And then we see a list of those things right between grace and mercy in Hebrews chapter 2 that refer us directly to the cross. And then in chapter 3, our mediator is so much greater than the mediator that went up on the mountain for the people of God and said, God, will you please forgive them? Her mediator is the king of grace and mercy and goodness. Because he was the creator, Hebrews 1 tells us, and yet he put all that aside to visit me, to be mindful of me. And he is a greater mediator than the people of Israel had following their sin in Exodus 33. I just love that all of this is right in the context of Moses showing us that our mediator far, far, far exceeds in glory the mediator that they had on that day. And don't we praise him for that. Thanks for listening. I hope that this little discussion was uh, made sense and was helpful to you. And I hope you're having a great week for him. And I'll talk to you again soon.